0: Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. If I can remember my password, then I'll I'll know how to talk here. So It's only four numbers. I should be able to Nancy you're laughing a little too hard. Um It had been a long day in the field. Of course, at his age, he it always felt like a long day. At his age, uh, he always felt like there was some other way he could be spending his time besides working in the field. At his age, he always wanted to just go off and run and play and be with his friends. At his age, he looked around and saw a lot of other people his age working in the fields. There was a commotion in the neighboring village. He ran out to see what was going on. Droves of people were making their way And they were all running to see this man with this motley crew of other men. And then people started to encourage their children to make their way to him. this, This boy who'd spent his whole day working in the field, his mom said, run up to him. Go see him. And he took his weary, tired little body with his calloused hands and he, he ran to see Jesus. Kids were not very cherished back then. Not like they are today. In fact, this little boy, when he turned four, started to work in the fields. And he was only eight And he had spent four years laboring in the fields, in the hot sun, in the Middle East. And if he wasn't in the fields, he was working at home. That's what you did with your kids. That's what you did when you had a subsistent lifestyle, when you grew all your food that you would eat, or you produced all the things that your family would sell at the marketplace. You put the kids to work. And the children, they, there was a terribly high infant mortality and childhood menta- mortality rate. In fact, some scholars estimate that it was as high as 60% of the children that were born in the ancient world would not make it to their teenage years. Conservative estimates are as high as 30% of the children Three in ten would not make it to adolescence. And so you can see sometimes when you're reading the ancient text that there appears this callousness with kids. There appears to be this view that uh, kids really aren't human yet. (laughs) They really don't matter. In some ways, that's how they saw children they weren't very productive. I mean, they showed up and they're dependent and they're helpless and they, uh, they are a liability. How many of you thought your kid needed to show up and have a job when they got here? We don't think like that. In fact, our culture, if anything, we have extended childhood. We've extended childhood. It's getting to the point where there are some psychologists who believe that childhood in modern day america exists all the way to 30 a teenage and adolescence some of you resemble those remarks and some of you resent those remarks <laughs> but in the ancient world childhood was something that if you survived then you had value then you were somebody then you could contribute. The disciples, they reflect this view. Some of the stories that we'll look at today in Mark chapter 9 and Mark chapter 10. And Jesus, he's, he has this knack for tar- telling parables. He has this knack for telling stories that you kind of go, what? I don't get it. Kind of like when I have teachable moments with my kids. I think I'm being plain as day, but apparently I'm speaking in parables to them. And in Mark chapter 8, we turned a page, literally, we we turned, we turned a page in the story of Mark where he starts this thing called the way section, and Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, hence it's called the way section, because Mark uses this word, the way, they're on the way to Jerusalem over and over and over again, and it is... It's bracketed by these two healing stories. One is this two touch healing of a blind man where Jesus seems to be a little off his game. And then it's bracketed by another healing of a blind man. And then Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And I think that Mark has structured this, this section of his book very intentionally. He's trying to show us just how the disciples don't get it. And today we're going to see just how clueless they were. In Mark chapter 9, verse 30 is where we'll pick up our story this morning. It says this, if I can find my spot. They left that place and passed through Galilee, Galilee, you can think of as kind of a county. Uh, They were passing through Galilee or Yuma County, and Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, which back then was pretty easy. They didn't have GPS and phones. They didn't have a little device in their pocket telling everybody, I'm here. They didn't want anyone to know where they were because, this is, this is interesting, he didn't want anyone to know where he was because he was teaching his disciples. He was teaching his disciples. He wanted time alone so he could teach them. And then we hear what the content of what he, teach, what he was teaching them is. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered over to human hands. He will be killed, and after three days he will rise. Don't you wish my sermons could be that short? Be careful what you wish (laughs) for. The Son of Man is going to be delivered over to human hands. He will be killed, and after three days he will rise. And he wanted to be alone with his disciples because he wanted to tell them that. Now, the Apostle Paul picks up this idea in one of his books. And he says, had the powers of this world known what Jesus was going to do, they never would have killed him. Had the powers of this world. And I think Paul is referring to the evil powers of this world. I think Jesus, he he somehow made sure that there were no evil supernatural beings that were listening in on this conversation because they would not have followed through. And Jesus is speaking, and it's very clear. But I think the disciples are trying to figure out the riddle. How do I know that? Because it says... But they, the disciples, did not understand what he meant. And were afraid to ask him about it. You ever felt that way? I mean, the teacher says, hey, there's no such thing as a stupid question. But then they proceed to make you feel stupid when you ask the question. I think the disciples had had enough experiences with Jesus to know, we should know what he's talking about. But we don't. Uh, Are you going to ask him? I ain't going to ask him. I asked him last time. I ain't going to do it this time. Come on, Pete, you do it. Dude, I put my foot up in my mouth on the mountain. Remember that whole incident? Jesus looked like bleached out man. Moses, Elijah. And I'm like, it's really good for us to be here. Dude, I ain't talking anymore. I'm just done. You do it, James. Uh Uh-uh, no way. I saw you put your foot in your mouth, and that ruined the whole day. They are afraid to ask him. And I think they're trying to figure out who's the son of man. And it's allusion to a passage in Daniel. It's one of the terms that Ezekiel, that God calls the prophet Ezekiel over and over again. And really the idea behind this phrase of son of man is human one. (laughs) The human one. And really Jesus here is replying it to himself. He could have said, me, me. I, I am going to be delivered over to human hands. I mean, he's already said it again. Uh, he's already said it before. This is the second time he says it here in the way section. And I will be killed, and after three days I will rise. And I'm sure they're trying to figure out, okay, what is he talking about? Because the Messiah that we have always heard about from our, our youth as Hebrews, will, he's going to come, and he is going to Kick the Romans, the oppressors, out of here. He's going to be a victorious king. This can't... What? This has got to be some kind of parable. Let's try to figure it out, but I ain't going to ask. They came to Capernaum, Mark continues. They've been walking a long time through the, the county of... Galilee they get to this town Capernaum and and when he was in the house when Jesus was in the house he asked them what were you arguing about on the road (laughs) could you imagine Jesus uh, just finished saying the son of man will be handed over to human hands he will suffer much he will be killed and he will rise again I ain't gonna ask him awkward silence 100 yards 200 yards 300 yards. Maybe that awkward silence, maybe that discussion about, boy, Peter put his foot in the mouth, so we know he's not the greatest amongst us. He's out. But who's 1 through 11? Who's 1 through 11? Because here we find out that Mark says, but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. (laughs) They had argued about who is the greatest. And you can understand why they would argue about this, can't you? I mean, you can't, actually, because we have this culture that's formed by this false humility where none of us would dare have this discussion. And I notice how I said false humility? Because in our heart of hearts, we all think we're better than some other people around us. But we wouldn't dare say that. We, we wouldn't dare say that. I mean, some say it, but we wouldn't. So we're a polite company. We're, we're Christians. We don't go around you know, tooting our own horn. We don't go around banging our own drum. We wouldn't do these kinds of things. But a lot of that humility that is shaping not just our culture, but Western civilization, do you know when that all started? Start with Jesus and his death on the cross, and he hasn't done that yet. And their mindset is, who's the greatest? And they're totally cool with talking about it. It was commonplace. It was ordinary. It was ordinary, it was ordinary conversation, apparently, because they're walking through Galilee County to Capernaum, and they're busy talking about, uh ah, you ain't the greatest. <laughs> Can you imagine that discussion? And now they're having this discussion, and why are they having this discussion? Because they found the Messiah, the King. They're busy trying to figure out the cabinet. Dude, I don't want to be in charge of education. I want to I want a defense that's what I want. They're having these conversations. They're trying to they're trying to figure out the pecking order. Who's vice president? Who's vice messiah? Who who's second in charge if Jesus or you know if he does die, which I don't understand what he's talking about. But if he were to die, who's second? Now from all perspective we all think Peter, right? Because of our Catholic friends. Because of church tradition. Because he was one of the first to speak up. I think the disciples left Peter's out and James and John too because Jesus can't leave them at camp. So they're arguing about who's the greatest. They're having this argument, this discussion, and they are not about to share with Jesus what they're discussing. Why? Why? It's embarrassing. It clearly shows they ain't getting it. It clearly shows they're not understanding what is going on here. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child, that little boy that I talked about at the beginning of the sermon, took a little child and he placed among them. And taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. And you go, wow, this is a weird story. What's going on here? You've got to remember that in the ancient world, uh, children weren't very highly thought of. In fact, the Aramaic word for child is the same word as servant. And Jesus is doing a word play here because this was in Aramaic when it was originally written. Jesus spoke Aramaic. And he's doing a word play here. He says the, the, the one who wants to be first must be a servant, a child. The story ends, but we pick up another. Uh, we, we we pick up another part of this thread that Mark has woven because there's these continuing stories of children here. Actually, before we move on, uh, did the disciples get it? Did the disciples get it? I mean, it's so it's so interesting. You, you you think, hey, the one who wants to be first, the one who wants to be greatest, must be a servant, must be a child. And then John says, "Teacher." We saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told them to stop. (laughs) Clearly, John gets it. I mean, do you see what Mark's doing here? Sometimes we we make the mistake of reading our Bibles like it's the Bible. It's the holy word of God and it can't possibly have a sense of humor. And, And we need to read the Bible. More like how it was meant. It's a story. And Mark is weaving this funny tale together where it's like Jesus says he's going to die. The disciples don't get it. Hey, I'm going to be greater than you. Uh-uh, I'm better than you are. I'm vice messiah. No, you're not. I'm vice messiah. I'm VM. No, you're VM. Whatever. What are you guys talking about? Uh, you know, I'm God. And I know you guys are talking about who's the greatest. And whoever wants to be the greatest must be a servant of all. Yeah, well, we saw a guy driving out demons. We told him, stop. This is funny. Mark is spinning the tail here. These guys are just like they're anti-disciples. They're like clueless. They don't get what Jesus is trying to accomplish with them. They don't understand it. They don't see it. And when I read a text like this, I'm tempted to go, they're so stupid. If I was following Jesus, (laughs) if I was in their shoes, how hard is this? Of course he's going to pull off Easter. Of course he's going to rise from the dead. How are they so dumb? I mean, you can go back to the Old Testament you can find all this stuff in there. Didn't they know the Old Testament? Didn't they know these things? How come they're so clueless? I understand how God is working in the world. I understand everything that He's doing. I know what what the future holds. I have my timeline of end-time events. I know who the Antichrist is, and if we vote for him or her, that's going to happen, and all these sorts of things. I've got it all figured out in my certainty. And I wonder... So much easier to see stupidity in other people. It's so easy to see see stupid at a distance, isn't it? So much more difficult to see it in the mirror. So much harder. Could it be that Jesus, that God, that the Holy Spirit is talking to me, talking to us, talking to the disciples, the church today, and we're going... We saw somebody do something. We told him to knock it off. (laughs) So there, Jesus. And Jesus, once again, does this. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You remind me of my first 12. (laughs) 2,000 years and still? You even have the end of the book. I know. That's how come I know everything that's going to happen because I have the end of the book. Are you kidding me? I don't even know, says Jesus. I don't even know the day I'm going to return. Only the Father knows. You know? You don't look like my daddy. I mean, could you imagine in any way that you might not have it as figured out as you think? Could you at all place yourself in this story and you're, you are clueless like these disciples? That you don't have it as figured out, but you know who does. You know who does have it figured out. If we pick up this thread of children, if we keep following this, we're going to see this play again and again and again. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Same word that Jesus used when he rebuked demons. (laughs) Some of you feel like that's what I'm here at church for. Learn how to parent. (laughs) It's like rebuking demons at my house. Anyways, that was, that was a bunny trail there, I admit it. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, angry. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. And then somebody was there and they captured the moment in a precious moment figurine (laughs) or a crass stitch on a pillow. And it's such a heartwarming moment. And it is. It is. It's a heartwarming moment. We all want to think that we are welcomed by Jesus, but who is he welcoming? People who have a 50 to 60% mortality rate in the next 5 to 10 years. People who have been laboring in fields since they were 3 or 4 years old. People who aren't thought of very highly in society. And he says, you want to follow me, be like them. What? Be like a child? Be, be like a kid who likes to play and have fun and carefree? No. No. Did you hear how they thought of children? Three or four years old, working in the field. 50 to 60% mortality rate. Not thought of highly. Their word for child was the same as Servant. You want to follow Jesus? Then don't think too highly of yourself. That's what this means. You want to follow Jesus? Then don't think too highly of yourself. That's what this means. Really? I don't see that. Let's keep reading. Mark ten thirty-two through 45. They were on their way up to Jerusalem. See the way section on their way up to Jerusalem? with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished. Why are they astonished? Because Jerusalem is the headquarters of the people that want to kill Jesus. Would you go there on purpose? I know people that won't go on foreign mission trips because it's scary. We follow God people, not a wuss. Jesus wasn't scared of death. Jesus wasn't scared of pain. Jesus wasn't scared of suffering. And the disciples were astonished. He went to Jerusalem knowing full well what was going to happen. This is the third time he's going to tell them, Gang, I know what's going to happen. They were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Just in case you thought he didn't know, Just in case you thought, you know, it's going to be a nice, quick, clean death. Get it over with. No big deal. Three days later, I'll pull off Easter. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) When I was a youth pastor, I had these kind of talks with kids regularly. Uh, Steve, I got something to tell you. Okay, cool, man. Let it let it fly. Let me know what's going on. Well, what I tell you, I can't have you tell anybody about, okay? Whatever I say, you stay between us, right? And when I was 23, 24, 25 years old, I was like, oh, man, uh, I wanted this kid to trust me. Now that I'm 47, I don't care. I'm like, dude, if you're going to harm yourself or harm somebody else, I'm going to tell somebody. So do you want to tell me or not? Jesus, buddy, hey. Whatever we ask, we want you to do for us, okay? (laughs) Serious? What are you guys cooking up? All right, here's the plan. Let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left. Let one of us be right and left or left and right. We don't care, but let us be first and second. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized? Yeah, we can. We talked to our mom about it. She's cool with it. We learned that from one of the other Gospels. Mom's in on it too. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Why? Oh, why didn't we think of that? Man, now we're arguing about three through eleven, not one and two. Jesus called them all together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Yeah, we totally know how it works in our world, Jesus. We are living here. That's why we're having these arguments about who the greatest is. That's why we're having the arguments about who vice messiah is. That's why we're having the argument about who's in charge of what. Because we want to lord it over people. Can't wait for that day. When are you going to beat up the Romans? When are they going to get them out of here? When are you going to get the Greek folks out of here? When are you restoring the kingdom, Jesus, that we can rule and reign with you? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus finishes up by saying, you know what? You're clearly not getting it. You're clearly not understanding me. Two more of you boneheads came and said, can we be the greatest? Do whatever we ask. This after I I got after you guys. I scolded all of you for talking about this on the way. And three times I've told you we're going to Jerusalem for the purpose of me dying after being mocked and spit on and flogged and having my beard plucked out. Clearly, you're not getting it. Here's my last shot. I'm going to be an example for you going to be an example. You're going to watch this happen. You're going to see me die because me, the Son of Man, the Son of God, even I did not come to be served. Oh, folks, how messed up do we have this? How messed up does our world understand this? How messed up? Could you imagine if somebody's presidential campaign was I'm here to serve folks and it wasn't lip service that it was true and how did you know it was true because you watched how they lived you watched how they treated people you watched how they treated children and orphans and immigrants and different and you saw them serve imagine what that would look like. Oh, but they'd get walked on. They'd get destroyed. They'd get killed. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Because we're a bunch of knuckleheads. Because we're sinners. And we think too highly of ourselves. We're not childlike. Oh, well, then we'll be walked on. We'll be ridiculed. We'll be destroyed. We will. Yeah, you will. Because earlier Jesus said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. You mean I don't get out of this alive? No, you don't. You mean in the process of not getting out of this alive, I have to die? Yeah, you do. You mean it's going to feel like being crucified? Yeah, pretty much. Can we go back to the happy, clappy, I love Jesus songs? Can't you give me like five points on how to be a better husband or a better dad or a better wife or a better mother? Can't you give me five points on how to better treat my employees or how to make a thousand bucks? Or can't you help me help myself? Yeah, I'm helping you help yourself. Did you hear what Jesus said? If any of you want to be good. No, he didn't say it that way. If any of you want to be pretty awesome. Nope, he didn't say it that way. He said, if any of you want to be great. You must serve. Other people this is a self help message people because Jesus is tapping into Dr. Phil here Jesus is tapping into your core desire when you die you want seven to eight hundred people to come to your funeral when you die you want people to remember you when you die you want folks to go oh man they 'll be missed and how do you make sure that happens <laughs> How you live now. And how one how must one live now to make that happen? You serve. You serve. And if it doesn't feel like dying, you ain't serving. If it doesn't feel like you are dying, it is not serving. It is self serving. Do you want to be great? Do you want to be remembered as great in the kingdom of God? You know, the heavens are going to be full of nameless multitudes of people. People that you and I never met. And I just, I just love to think <laughs> that heaven is going to be full of these folks that are given places of honor. And it's not going to be who we think it's going to be. It's not going to be Billy Graham. And it's not going to be Mother Teresa. And it's not going to be Andy Stanley or Charles Stanley. It's not going to be the who's who of Christendom today. It's going to be some selfless servant, it's going to be folks who were nameless and underappreciated in this life. And they're going to be the ones that are in the Hall of Fame in heaven. And they're going to be the ones that as we cast our crowns at Christ's feet, Jesus stands and applauds. The cool thing with this whole message, the cool thing with this thread we're chasing is that this is available to you and me. This is available to all of y'all. This is available no matter what your age. You can be a servant. Do you know how hard it is to get people to serve at church? Oh man. Now he's meddling. Do you want to be great? Do you want to be great? Serve. Serve here. Serve in our community. Serve for Christ's sake. But serve. And if it doesn't feel like dying, you ain't serving. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much that Jesus, when he showed up, did not say, bow down, worship me, get me some coffee, go and do my bidding. Instead, he showed up and he gave us a choice. Instead, he never guilted. He never, he just said, here's the game plan. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. You in or you out? You want to be part of this? You're going to be part of this. You're going to die too. It's not going to feel good. But you're not greater than me. You want in or you want out. It's your choice. You want to be great. You want to be good. It's your choice. Never once does Jesus twist an arm. Never once just does Jesus guilt. He just says this is how it works, gang. Lord, I pray that if I've done anything to feel manipulative or anything, that that would fall away. And Holy Spirit, you would just present us this stark choice that Jesus gives. You're going to follow me or not? Here's where I'm headed. It's going to hurt. But at the end, you'll be great. At the end, you'll have true life. At the end, you'll have life that can't be taken. Father, I pray that this would be a compelling choice for us and we would start to organize our lives around these ideas that the first, the greatest among us shall be the servant of all. Holy Spirit, make it so. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May he give you a servant's heart. May you die trying to serve Christ. Amen.